0: Good to be with you on this Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot of things to get to, not the least of which is going to be uh, the fact that uh, nationally, politics is just spewing all over the place. Right? You, you've got a debate coming up. You've got, uh, you know, the you got a president uh, that is uh, sitting there at a time when uh, you know he hasn't really begun his race for the presidency yet. I mean, Joe Biden hasn't really punched yet. I mean, let's let's keep that in mind. Everybody's talking about poll numbers, this and that. He hasn't gotten into the fray yet because he hasn't had to. So, you know, th- there's a lot of things that are going to happen yet in this race and in 2024 uh, that, that are going to be of interest to you as a taxpayer, as the public. Uh, and one of the best places I know to get a lot of this information is Axios. Uh, Steph kite is a a political reporter with Axios and she's been good enough to join us before and it's good to have her back on now. Steph, good to have you back on news and views.
1: Thanks for having me back. Great to be here.
0: I I want your take on what I just said, which is, you know, everybody's using poll numbers, comparative poll numbers and the ones that matter the most to me, obviously are the ones in the swing States. But in terms of, of the race, we, we all think it's every day, every day. I don't believe it's really even started yet, Steph.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Of course, you look at some of these polls that we've seen over the past few months, and there are certainly some glaring warning signs for Joe Biden. You know, when you look at um, all of these swing state polls that continue to show Trump likely winning out in all of them if the match were to be held today— But, you know, you do have to take into account that we still have months to go before Election Day. Uh, We still have to make it through the primaries. And so much can happen between now and then. Of course, you know, we're still waiting to see how the various legal cases against former President Trump are going to pan out. Whether voters will start paying more attention if and and when we start seeing any convictions come out of some of these cases, you know that could be something that changes the game. Um, and you know, there's a whole host of issues. Of course, Biden is hoping to start seeing some better economic numbers, hoping to to raise voters' confidence in the economy. That's you know one of the most important issues for voters when they head to the polls, and it's something that Biden so far, has been struggling on, but, you know, we're starting to see some polling show that maybe that could be improving and that could that could be important for Joe Biden. But to your point, there is a lot of time left and we are really just at the beginning of the race.
0: Well, and, and, where I'm if you look at some of the big issues clearly the economy and we're all knowing and I'm going to get to that in a little bit some of the breakdown of, of the great new trends and and what we're looking at which is good for all of us no matter what side of the aisle you're on in this more robust economy in terms of what's happening with inflation and and job produce uh, job production that type of thing but but Steph the border. I mean, it's clear Mm -hmm. that the border is going to be one of the huge issues. Uh, Today, news coming out that a number of House Republicans say they won't work on uh, a border policy because they don't want to help uh, Joe Biden. How much does that help or continue to hurt Joe Biden?
1: I mean, the border issue has always been one of President Biden's most vulnerable issues. It's one that he has really struggled to get a handle on. Really, since the beginning of his presidency, when we started to see the number of people arriving at the border start to tick up, and it really has just not slowed down. And there has been, you know, multiple challenges. Some of the lowest points of his pres- presidency to this point have involved border situations, whether it was the camp of Haitian migrants at Del Rio a couple years ago, or when he flip-flopped on um raising the refugee cap or you know even his response to you know Af- Afghanis who were fleeing as the Taliban took over and struggling to get the immigration system in place there as well. So having this issue so front and center as we start 2024 is certainly not going to do Joe Biden any favors. And you know we've seen that he has had to he's kind of been forced to the negotiating table by Republicans. We know in the Senate you know, those negotiations over trying to find some kind of changes to border policy have stalled at this point with Republicans continuing to demand more and more from the administration. We know that Republicans will continue to make this a focus of their rhetoric and their you know, congressional oversight this year. You know, we're looking at. Um, The first, you know, launch of the impeachment inquiry into DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who is a key figure in immigration and the border House House Republican committee will will launch that next week as well. So, you know, we really are starting the year with so many people, so many political um, parties and and lawmakers focused on this issue. Um, And it's one that just does not serve Biden.
0: Uh, So if you and I I see your piece on how Democrats got cornered on the border crisis that that you have on Axios and and fine work, and I don't disagree with the the piece, but I want to push back a little bit just so I can get your take on this, which is how much does this, I don't want to say fully reverse, but how big of a dent does it put in this if, in fact, the public starts hearing about the other side of the aisle not coming to the table to work out a solution.
1: I mean, look, the fault for you know the, the the where we are with the border and immigration really does lie with Congress in many ways. You know, there are limited tools available to the executive branch, to the federal agencies, the White House because of the way our immigration system and immigration laws are set up. And for it has been decades and decades since those immigration laws have been changed, and they were not made for the kind of migration flows we are currently seeing at the border. Um, You know, we've seen White House's administrations do what they can. Even this administration has tried to kind of embrace uh, stricter policies, than maybe they would have at the start of the administration, but it is true that like that much needs to be done via Congress, and we've seen that this issue always is you know highly partisan. It is very difficult for there to be any kind of bipartisanship, and Republicans really have very little um, incentive to come to the table and make compromises on their end, especially given House Republicans have control, you know, of that chamber. And we've heard from Johnson repeatedly that, you know, Speaker Johnson that he would he will settle for nothing less than HR two, which is a sweeping, very Trump-like, very conservative, very extreme piece of legislation, which is just not a reasonable starting point for, you know, a Congress that is so thinly divided in both Chambers. So you know, the, while Democrats have had to kind of change their tune and are finally coming around to the idea of of implementing some policies that they maybe otherwise would not have considered, Republicans are also making things difficult and are not really willing to compromise on some of the things that they would like to be seen done.
0: So the the reporting uh, on a national scale of this w- will this reporting turn more towards? Because I've always wondered why some of the focus hasn't been on the journey itself of these individuals trying to get to America and have a, a better life. You know, the, the narrative that the Trump people have put out of rapists and drug dealers and, you know, all of that, that you can demonize all you want. But the the truth of the matter is many of these people are coming here for a better life and are good, hardworking people. It's just they're entering our country illegally, which they shouldn't be allowed to do. But have, have you ever seen any... Steph, or, or seen anybody track their long migration to that border? I mean, what's causing them yeah. to pack everything on their back and say, I'm going to America?
1: Yeah, you know, there there are certainly you know great articles out there from many of my colleagues who are focused on this issue, kind of telling the stories of migrants, of what made them flee their home countries, what made them take on these long journeys. You know, even earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go down to the border. It's something I try to do every year just to you know see for myself. And I was able to speak to to one Venezuelan family. Um, they told me their story. They had two very young children with them. Um, they talked about having to travel through the Darien Gap, which is a very dangerous, you know jungled area between um, Colombia and, and Panama. And while they were there, they they told me a story of, you know, being being mugged by criminals who, a criminal network that works within that jungled area and really targets migrants. And they talked about how hard it was to make that journey, how hard it was to leave where they were. They talked about the fear that they had for the violence in the area where they had been living in Venezuela, the poverty, the lack of opportunity. And I spoke to them when they were in, you know, a a homeless shelter in El Paso. They had been there for Um, I believe it was a couple weeks at that time, but they were still just so proud to have made it and so excited to start their life fresh in the U.S. and so hopeful. And, you know, I think it is important to remember that, you know, while we talk a lot about numbers, those numbers are real human lives and people who have made very difficult decisions, um, you know, whether or not they will ultimately be granted asylum based on our legal system these are, by and large, people who are just trying to make a better life for their families, and that's yeah. always an important context to remember.
0: So if, if Donald Trump wins the, the Iowa and wins in New Hampshire, is the race for the nomination of the Republican Party uh, for who's going to be on that ballot over?
1: Uh, most people would say that if if Trump does come out on top with significant leads in both Iowa and New Hampshire – it would be very, very unlikely for any other candidate to end up with a nomination. Yeah. Um, you know, anything can happen, but, but that would be a pretty difficult um, lead to overcome at that point.
0: Steph, uh, good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for giving us some of your time. You can find her work at Axius and uh, it's always a great place to go for information. So appreciate you coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yep, Steph Kite.